Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by Sabina Lada, founder of Doe. Doe is a delicious, healthier vegan cookie dough that can be consumed in dough form or baked conventionally. The product is gluten-free, non-GMO, packed with superfood ingredients, made with coconut sugar, and low-calorie. Prior to Doe, Sabina was a marketer at PepsiCo, McKinsey consultant, and a venture studio lead at M13. Hey, Sabina, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. We would love to let our listeners in on who you are and tell us a little bit about Doe. Yeah, I'm um, I'm Sabina. I'm the founder and CEO of Doe Cookie Dough. We launched last year during the pandemic. So I concepted the brand in May, June of the pandemic, and then we launched in October. So we're just about a year old and we're a functional cookie dough brand. So, you know, we started with a line of edible and bakeable cookie doughs. They're clean, vegan, gluten-free, and then each flavor has a different added function. And we're just starting to kind of foray outside of cookie dough with a new product. Are more people putting this in the oven or eating it raw? That's funny that you ask. Most people say, and we have a kind of a running joke about it, but most people say they don't even make it to baking <laughs> because <laughs> they'll eat it raw. And I mean, like 80% of people eat it raw and then they'll just like be at the end of the tub and be like, oh shit, I never baked it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but we do, I think during, during like the holidays and during when it's colder outside and, and winter, we're trying to encourage the baking because it is a really good baked cookie and like the versatility is pretty fun, but we do have a lot of like moms who bake with their kids and it's kind of an activity, which is fun and, and not as messy as, as typical cookie baking. So we're trying to encourage it a little bit more. I love that. You kind of started to touch on that each flavor has its own functional ingredient added to it. Can you take us through like the high level on your different flavors as well as what these functional benefits are that you add to them? So we originally started with the immunity concept and for obvious reasons, right? Especially in the height of COVID. Um, I was taking a ton of supplements when COVID first started, I was taking vitamin C, I was taking vitamin D, zinc, elderberry, basically anything to kind of insure myself or, or protect myself. And so the original concept was actually an immunity cookie. It was almost like a, a famous Amos style, like mini chocolate chip cookie that you could just eat as your immunity vitamins. And so that's kind of why that hero skew chocolate chip, which is our, our most popular skew has the immunity vitamins in it. It's got zinc and, and elderberry in it. And then from there, the question was really like, do we continue with just immunity or do we kind of change it up and have each flavor have a different kind of function that aligns with that flavor? So you'll see like birthday cake, for example, has maca in it. Maca is great for a mood boost. It also enhances libido. So it's just a very like bright and boosting function. And then you'll see, you know, brownie batter, which has collagen. Well, we call it our vegan collagen blend, but it's got aloe vera and vitamin C. So it, it boosts uh, and supports your collagen, but is obviously not 
animal collagen. Um, but that's more of like, I kind of joke that's like our beauty cookie because it's got this like indulgent chocolate, like late night you have it with wine, but then you're also doing a face mask kind of, um, vibe. And then we've got gingerbread, which is, uh, with ashwagandha and ashwagandha is known to kind of calm you. And, um, it's also a mood booster, but it's more for like stress relief. Um, and we actually launched that one during the holidays, which everyone knows things are crazy during the holidays and you're probably, you know, with your crazy family (laughs) over Thanksgiving and and during December. So um, that one's got a calming effect. And then peanut butter, peanut butter is a really good mask. Like just the the flavor, the the nut butter itself can mask a lot of things. And so that one's enhanced with pea protein and protein, if, if you know, it can have like a pretty chalky taste. So we wanted to make sure, we wanted to make sure we had an approachable protein skew because that's, people are always looking for that. And that's not a fad. That's a trend that's here to stay. So we were like, what can mask that pea protein flavor, which peanut butter does really, really nicely. So it's a peanut butter chocolate chip. I I love that. I wanted to quickly just take a step back because I think the story of how dough came to be with these limited edition Instagram drops is really interesting. If you could just kind of briefly share with us how you originally started making the cookie dough. Yeah. So it's funny because it started because I wanted to test the concept. Unintentionally, it built a lot of hype um, because there were so limited editions. So what we did was before, you know, we launched a website, before we invested a ton of money into it, I was like, let's see if this, this would work and people actually want this. And so all we did was we launched an Instagram page. We had, I would say, pretty good content. We were working with a UCF. LA student who's still with us now, but she's, she's just great at making content. And we would do these limited quantity drops. So on Mondays at 10 AM, we would drop a limited quantity of jars of cookie dough. And it started getting to a point where, I mean, we sold out the same day the first time because there was a lot of that organic, like friends sharing and, you know, influencers finding us and that sort of thing. But by the end of those drops, we did a few of them. We were selling out in like 20 minutes. It was pretty interesting that it was one building the hype because you couldn't get something. It was almost like sneaker culture, right? Where they, they do limited quantity drops. And then there's this, this crazy resale market. Um, and people, all these people were trying to get like five jars of cookie dough and we had to limit it to one. And then two, it was interesting because it told us that there was a proof of concept of like, people really want this almost like healthy indulgence and what we call like hedonistic health. And, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of it. And so that it was a way to prove out the concept, but also kind of like unintentionally built hype, especially on social media. It's a, it's an amazing proof of concept tool. Like, and, and you actually had a physical product to then like actually deliver, even though I know you had to limit the quantities I was talking to like friend the other day and I can't remember what the agency was called but he was saying how essentially he would work with an agency before they even had a prototype at all to mm-hmm. basically just put up like a mock DTC page just to like then like test how like a thousand consumers would engage with it yeah. and based off simply doing that like they felt really confident going into prototype development before investing you know all of the capex and R&D dollars so, yeah, so it's, it's funny. Cause when I was, I used to work at M13, which is a venture firm exactly. here in, in LA. And that it was essentially what we did when I was running the venture studio is we would put up these kind of like faux websites and we would invest a little bit into like the branding right. and, and the mock-ups because with CPG, it's just an interesting space of like, yes, the pro there has to be product market fit, but 
the branding does matter. And that is part of the product, which, you know, for a tech product might not be the case. Like you can figure out, you can have an MVP of a tech product without a great brand and, you know, figure out if there's product market fit. You have to have a little bit of the brand for CPG, but yeah, we did have actual, pro- it was, it was very janky looking. I would say like we, it was in these peanut butter jars. I was very embarrassed of our first product, but someone once told me that if you're not embarrassed with the first thing you put out there, then you're not doing it fast enough. So yeah, a little embarrassed with the first product, but it, it got the job done and it, it allowed us to see if people wanted it. No, hundred percent. Taking that learning out of the venture studio makes a lot of sense. As you know, I, I love the product. When you sent me the samples a few weeks back, I, I kind of went through them in a week, I would say, which <laughs> I was, I was, cons- I was like, I want to support Sabina and continue ordering, but I also think that I'm going through this too fast. So I'm going to take a break. <laughs> take a break. Uh, that's why you have to bake the cookies. It, no, it helps that's actually a good idea. Out. That's what I should have done. It would have been like, uh, <laughs> I made it last. Let's talk about the space in general a little bit. So there's a few competitors. We talk about Toto, you talk about Up. Like, what is your view on the general category as a whole? It's obviously a decent sized category. I wouldn't say it's a huge category. I'd say the overall like baking category is obviously massive, kind of mm-hmm. dessert category is massive. And then, of course, there's like a nice surge in entrepreneurship towards like healthier indulgence with with companies like Dream Pop and Ice Cream and, and so on. And are you kind of comfortable playing in this cookie dough space for the long term and trying to really scale up and take share of kind of cookie dough from legacy players and kind of winning in that in that particular segment or are you kind of trying to build a healthier kind of indulgence indulgence company that spreads across kind of dessert categories more broadly yeah so so i would say the mainstream at least through like nielsen data the mainstream cookie dough market is about a billion dollars that includes mostly Nestle and Pillsbury. They own that market. When we launched, we thought we were launching a dessert, right? Or like an indulgence. But because of the nature of the product, we actually found that we launched a snack. And like that is, there's a, it might to like a, a you know, normal person not in the biz, just like, oh yeah, snack, dessert, whatever, like same, same difference. But Really what's interesting about it is people aren't just eating it as a dessert because it's this kind of like edible form factor. They're actually eating it throughout the day. Like we have, uh, we obviously get a ton of, of social love from our consumers, but they'll, you know, make it into a ball and eat it for breakfast with their coffee. Yeah. If you want like something super light or they'll eat, you know, a scoop of it before a workout just to get some fuel because that, we think that about the ingredients. Sabina. Sabina, that was me, truly. That was you. Yeah. Like it's because the ingredients are, you know, oat flour, almond butter, cashews, flaxseed, coconut sugar. Like they're really good ingredients there. If you compare our ingredient profile to like a cliff bar, it's significantly better and less sugar and less carbs. So it's being eaten. uh, One of our consumers said this, which I loved is being eaten like a bar in a jar versus like, Oh, this is only for dessert. I'm, you know, not allowed to have a lot of it. There's a lot of restriction. I think that comes with diet culture with desserts, but it's truly something people eat throughout the day and kind of munch on throughout the day, especially people working from home, which we get a lot of like laptop and cookie dough pictures, which is funny. So anyways, that's all to say like, yes, we are competing in the cookie dough space where by the way, there's not a ton of healthy or like clean options or vegan and gluten-free options, but we're actually kind of blurring the lines into this 
almost like snacking space where like perfect bar sits and, you know, yeah. um, honey mama sits and mush sits and like these other brands that are not just indulgent. Yeah. That really opens the, the total addressable market to a completely different kind of size and level. And, yeah. and I think just, just to kind of keep going there, are you, what, like, what's next in the pipeline? If, if you're going to stay in Coquito, what, where do you see the portfolio kind of going? Yeah. So we, um, we have literally our collab, um, flavors set out all the way through fall of next year of 2022. So we've kind of signed contracts with influencers, celebrities, um, with even, you know, beauty brands that of doing these kind of collab drop limited quantity flavors. And that's going to continue to be in our DNA because one, it opens up a new market for us, um, and new consumers for us. And two, it consumers just get bored, right? Like they want something interesting. They want new flavors. They want you to work with interesting people. They want new functions. And so that kind of keeps that buzz going, especially on, on the D to C side of things, but we are getting into new products pretty quickly. So our first line extension, which Rachel, I think you might've tried, um, is drip, which is a healthier Nutella. So it's got five. No, I haven't. It's been, oh, you haven't. No, it's, it's coming back. It'll probably be back by the time this airs. So it's coming back in a couple weeks and it's literally five ingredients. It's the most delicious, like anyone that tries it versus Nutella or even any of the other newer, I know there are a couple of new like chocolate hazelnut spreads that have launched. They are blown away. And so that product is obviously a bigger line extension for us. And then, you know, doubling down on snacking, like there's there's obviously like the the kind of obvious line extensions we could do that we are exploring, but I don't know, you know, how convinced we are that we'll, we'll go that route, like bites or something like that, but definitely kind of doubling down on how do we stay in this kind of indulgent snacking um, where people can feel good about, you know, their afternoon snack. Yeah, that all makes sense. I guess to kind of just go down that path for a second, does are all is the goal with the pipeline and dough as a company and these other line extensions for them to all have, you know, that functional ingredient profile in it so that everything that someone's consuming out of the dough portfolio is getting them some sort of additional added benefit. Yeah, exactly. So there's our product values are, you know, vegan and gluten-free refined or clean, right? It's like refined sugar-free, palm oil-free, things like that. And added function. So each product that we launch will have an added function that makes sense for that product. If you look at kind of like the brands that have done really well in the last few years, whether it's like Kind Bar, which is one of the OGs or like Mush, the Overnight Oats, it's because they taste really good. And so that that's one of the product principles as well. So those are, that's kind of how we build everything. Well, you guys are certainly winning in the, the taste good category. We wanted to kind of ask you, so you were at PepsiCo and now you are a founder yourself. What was the transition like going from, you know, big CPG to being a founder? And what are some lessons that you learned that maybe you could share with us? Yeah, so it's funny because big CPG gets a bad rap <laughs> and I, I completely credit my like marketing skills and almost like GM skills to being at PepsiCo because that, that brand management role, it's, it's kind of interesting that it's called brand management. So you think like, Oh, it's like brand and marketing, but really it's like P and L owner and it's a GM role. And so you are essentially the hub 
and all the other functions in the organization are the spokes to you. So, you know, finance, innovation, advertising, um, sales, shopper marketing, they all kind of like dotted line into you and you kind of set the strategy um, and you're responsible for the PL. And so that really taught me how to run a, a mini business. So like, if you think about how Frida Lay is structured is you've got all the different brand teams. You've got like Lay's, Doritos, Cheetos, Stacy, Smart Food, and they all run mini businesses within Frito-Lay. So when I was on the Lay's brand, which is a $3 billion brand, there was four of us on the brand team, which now that I think back on it, that's tiny. We were very lean, uh, but there's four of us on the brand team. And then there's kind of like those other supporting functions that dotted line into the brand team, but we ran that as its own mini business. And so that I think was the original, and I would say a place like Frito-Lay and PepsiCo is actually highly entrepreneurial. And the reason I even became entrepreneurial or figured out, tapped into that, figured out I had that in me was my first VP at Pepsi. He eventually became the CMO of Frito-Lay and then now is like number two at PepsiCo. His name is Ram Krishnan. And he allowed me to be super entrepreneurial. So that was that original spark. And I would say from that spark, I kind of like ran with it throughout my career and then obviously ended up here doing it myself, but with a lot less resources and a lot less budget than, than PepsiCo. But it kind of, it, it kind of lit that, you know, initial spark in me that I had of being entrepreneurial. Yeah. I, I started at PepsiCo as well. And, and a lot of what you were just mentioning about brand management skills, PL ownership at a young age, I think it definitely helps regardless of kind of where you go after in your career. You Rumor has it that there is a Shark Tank episode <laughs> for dough potentially coming up. Could you talk to us maybe a bit about, about that experience or what that's been like for you? Yeah, there, there is that rumor is true. So it's interesting, like three weeks or three months, sorry, after we had launched is when we started the shark tank process. And that is, I would say a lot earlier than a lot of other companies you might see on the show that air on the show, because they'll go on the show and they'll be like, Oh, you're one data. Here's your two data. Here's your three data. And here's where we are now. Whereas like when I went on the show, it was like, here's what we've got. We've been around for six months <laughs> and we had a ton of traction, obviously. So I would say what you see on the show, you see like right seven, eight minutes of an entrepreneur kind of fielding questions and, and going through their pitch, but it's really I, if I had to calculate it, I would guess it's over a hundred hours of work. And it's, it's so much work because you really have to one, know your business cold. And two, you could be asked anything up there, right? Like you have no idea and you're, you're up there for longer, obviously than that seven minutes that they air. And so you, the amount of prep that goes into it and not just like the pitch, but the set and down to like what you're going to wear and, you know, and then obviously like knowing all of your numbers, but knowing just any other crazy question they might ask, it just takes a lot of hours. And so even I, I was just thinking about it the other day of like, even if we didn't air the process that I had to go through to kind of learn the business cold, it was a really good process. It forced me to kind of like dig into detail super deeply. And, and honestly, like there were a couple of times where I was like, we should optimize this, not just for the show, but because like generally we should optimize this. And I was, I was learning, you know, more about the op side or the co-packing side or whatever it is. So anyways, that's all to say a lot of work, hopefully really rewarding. We'll see we air tonight, you know, we'll hopefully be a nice boost of awareness. I think for us, for, for Doe in particular, we over index right now in 
New York, in California, in Chicago, and in Texas. And so we're starting to get kind of to the middle of the country. I think a lot of health and wellness brands start on the coasts, um, especially food or functional food brands. And then they kind of make their way um, to the center of the country and, and become more mainstream. But at, when I started this brand, I wanted to make wellness more accessible. And I think with Shark Tank and the awareness that comes with that, um, and just, you know, the mass population that watches it, it'll, it'll kind of bring functional foods to the forefront, which is, I think will be fun to see that it's not just, you know, a coastal brand and that we can reach the middle of the country as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. We'd love to transition to, um, one of our favorite parts of the podcast, which is our rapid fire section. Um, we are going to ask you, whole bunch of questions, super random, and just kind of throw whatever comes to mind first. Okay. I'm nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Guilty pleasure. Breakfast in bed. Ooh, I love that. What do you have? What's your like go-to breakfast in bed? Well, my husband makes really mean breakfast tacos. So I, I just that. like eating in bed. It's kind of gross if you think about it, but I just like <laughs> eating in bed. <laughs> yeah. Favorite LA spot to go to. Air one. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> you are allowed to say I think, that. I think we asked, I think we asked your husband something you like what's your favorite CPG product or something. And he was like, and he oh. said no. <laughs> Air One is is a really so Studio City just opened yesterday and it is I'm like dying to go there because it's like a beautiful experience so it really is like a little oasis (laughs) I mean it's it's the best spot to go to you can just hang out you can go to the tonic bar you can get some matcha yeah It's, it's all good favorite dough flavor and your favorite way to eat dough birthday cake and this is really weird. I just did this the other day is you roll it into a ball and you put it into an air fryer and you air fry it for like seven minutes. And what happens to the product, this is so detailed. The top gets a little toasty and the bottom gets a little like toasty and like almost burnt. And then the middle is still like dough, just warm. And so it's, when you bite into it, it's like a crispy top, crispy bottom, and then like a, a soft, like gooey center. Very good. Sounds great. It's kind of how I feel like cookies should be baked too, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Last one, dream destination. Right now I'm dying to go to the Maldives, but if it's not like a tropical, I ha- we still haven't been to Japan. And that is like, I every single one of my friends, when I ask them their favorite trip is Japan. And so I'd say that's, if I want an active vacation, <laughs> more like a Japan, if I want more of a chill vacation, maybe the Maldives. Yeah, I think Japan and Patagonia are my two right now, so I can relate. Yeah, thanks and- a lot for thanks a lot for being on with us today, Sabina. Um, just one last question: we always ask our listeners is kind of what it means to subscribe to wellness, and so essentially, what we'd love to hear is kind of what you're doing on a daily basis to maintain a healthy lifestyle while managing a demanding business like Doe. Yeah. So I recently started meditating again, which is, it sounds really LA and woo woo, but I swear to God, it changed. It like changes the course of my day, especially, especially as an entrepreneur working in a startup or just even, even how like in y'all space, you, you sometimes wake up with anxiety, right? And like, you don't know why, and you don't, you can't necessarily pinpoint it, but Headspace, just five minutes a morning has kind of changed before looking at my phone and before going through emails and all of that has kind of changed my mindset. And then I think another thing broadly 
what I think of wellness is just being patient with yourself um, and almost like accepting. There are days that, you know, I work out for an hour and a half and eat super clean and have a ton of energy and get eight hours of sleep. And then there are hours of sleep and may not have eaten the best dinner and, you know, am a little stressed out because we've got our episode airing today, but just being patient with myself and knowing like, okay, this is a hard day. And I may not have been at the top of my wellness game, um, or even, you know, mindset, but tomorrow's a new one and each, each day will be different. So if you can kind of just be patient with yourself and accepting, I feel like that's a, um, that's a win. I totally relate to that and think that that is just something that we all need to practice a little more of gratitude, grounding, you know, just being kind to ourselves. Where can our listeners learn more or find out more about Doe? Our Instagram is popping. So I would say people, that's the number one compliment we get because it's it's just really fun. So I would say at eat Doe, at E-A-T-D-E-U-X. Also on TikTok, we're starting to get a ton of kind of traction there. So it's pretty fun. And then just eatdo.com, E-A-T-D-E-U-X.com. Amazing. Well, Sabina, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, We are going to try this air fryer dough uh, version (laughs) soon. I'll send you guys drip too. Yes, we can't wait to try drip. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thanks. Have a great one. Great chatting. Bye. Bye. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to order some dough, use our 20% off custom promo code wellness. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of the week filled with wellness and we'll see you next time.